We begin by thanking our sponsors, the Talmud Torah sponsors for the month, Paul and Kathy Pollock, in honor of their grandchildren. Shibizochet to have a lot of nachas from all of them. The Dafyomi Shir is being sponsored in this chus for four shleima for Yehuda ben Michal, the son of Rabkaman Akiva. He should have four shleima ben Hera Vakarov. The week of learning is sponsored by Gail and Doug Stanger, Mazeltov to Akiva. Leib Weinberg on his bar mitzvah from his bubby and his safta, Malzah Tav Akiva. And Dafyomi is sponsored by Jacob and Julie Blumenfeld in memory of Jacob's grandfather, Reuven Leib ben Avram. So he should have a Neshama Shavon Aliyah and the family Shavon Achama. Today's daf is daf Lamedalid. We're going to pick up from Lamed Gimel Omad Beis. From the two dots. So it's about two thirds of the way down. I don't know if the Rub did this yesterday, but it's one long continuation. So therefore, we're going to start from the beginning so that we understand what's happening here. Just by way of very brief introduction, if you remember, the Gemara asked a stira. The Gemara stira was on Daflam and Aleph Amud Beis, in the bottom of the Amud, where the Gemara quoted the Mishnah which said, Aviv. If somebody is Me'anes, Achoso, his sister, Balachos Aviv, the sister of his father, the halacha is, there is a knas. Now the problem is that the Gemara quotes that the Mishnah which says, Elohein Halokin, Ha'ba'alachoso, Balachos Aviv, a person who is Ba'al, somebody who is Me'anes, forces into a relation his sister or the sister of his father. So we have two Mishnayos, one of them stating that if a person engages in this relationship, is Ma'anes Achoso, his sister, one of them, which is our Mishnah, says that there is a financial knas, there's a financial penalty, and we have the Mishnah in Makos, which tells us that there is Makos. So if you were learning each Mishnah individually, you would add to the punishment card, one of them being Makos, another one being a financial penalty, but the problem is that with the rules of Kamli B'derabamine, that would mean he has two punishments for one act. Normally we say that there's only one punishment, and you'd give this person the more, the more strict of the two. So why is it that we have one Mishnah which, say, which says that there's a knas, and another Mishnah which indicates that there is indeed Malchus, that the person gets lashes, how could it be that the person gets lashes and also has the financial responsibility? So Gemara begins over here, Rish Lakish, at the two dots. Rish Lakish Amar, Hamani Rabbi Meir. Who is the Tana? Who is the author of our Mishnah, Rabbi Meir? He is Rabbi Meir to Amar Loke Umishalim. Rabbi Meir indeed is of the opinion that a person can get lashes at the same time that they're going to sustain the financial responsibility of paying. In other words, he is not phased by this idea of Kamli Bidrabi he says, yes, it's possible for a person to be liable for two punishments, one of them being the punishment of lashes, another one being the financial responsibility that he has to pay to, this, to, the, to the, the Via Naira. Iwara says that that's true. If, if that's true, that the person can be liable for both lashes and the financial responsibility, the, the same should be true about his daughter. Now, where do we know differently? We didn't get there yet, but in the next Mishnah, it clearly st- says that the following people do not have a knas, and, the one that's, which, uh, w- and one of them which is listed is his daughter. So why would it be that if a person violates his own daughter, that he would not have to pay if the Mishnah is Rabbi Meir? Why not? Just because he has Misa for that interaction, just because he gets killed for that interaction, he should still have to pay. Sliwar says the chitema, if you're going to try to suggest, Rameir Loka Mashalim Islay, Mace Mashalim Leslay. The reason is because although Rabbi Meir is of the opinion that a person can get two punishments, in other words, a person can get lashes and at the same time for the same action be responsible financially, that's true only when it comes to lashes. When it comes to the death penalty, that would not be true. Umar says, Velo, is it not true? Vatanya. We have a Bryce which says, Gonav, a person steals something, and he slaughters it on Shabbos. So he has a problem of stealing, 
Stealing is a financial responsibility. Vitavach b'Shabbos, and he slaughtered it on Shabbos. Now, slaughtering something on Shabbos, in this case, comes, comes along with two different responsibilities. One of them is he violated Shabbos. One of the 39 prohibited acts on Shabbos is tevicha, is shechita, is slaughtering an animal. And it also holds him responsible for what we call dalad v'hei, either four or five times the value that he has to add on. So the Gemara, the, the Bryce continues, Gonav v'tavach l'avodas k'chavim. Another example is, he didn't slaughter it on Shabbos, but he slaughtered it with intent for avodah zara. Or another example is, Gonav shor a person stole a shor haniskol. A shor haniskol is an axe who, upon which it was already ruled that it has to be put to death. For, in other words, it killed a human being. An axe which kills a human being needs to be put to get put to death. So a person, person steals a sharha niskol utivacho, and he slaughtered it. Allah is mishalem tashlumi arbav chamisha. He pays the payments of four and five. There's never going to be a time when a person pays four and five. It depends if it's a sheep or if it's a cow. But we refer to it as as the payment of arbav chamisha four and five, depending on which animal it is. Divi Rabbi Meir. These are the words of Rabbi Meir. Now clearly, in this case, this is a case where there's a chi of a misa, because the person violated Shabbos. And still, what does Rabbi Meir say? He has to pay. So clearly, Rabbi Meir is of the opinion that even when it comes to a punishment, a penalty of death, the person would still have to pay the financial consequence, the consequences that come along with it. So the Gemara then has a question how can it be that the author of our Mishnah is Rabbi Meir? And that's the reason why there's malchus, there's lashes, as well as financial responsibilities. It can't be that it's Rabbi Meir, because if it was Rabbi Meir, then the second half of the Mishnah, which we're going to learn in a few days, is not going to be true, because the second half of the Mishnah, which says you're exempt from the financial responsibility when a person violates his own daughter, that shouldn't be true, because although the person is going to have the penalty of death, Nevertheless, he should still be responsible financially. And the, the, that price continues with Chacham and Potrim. Chacham must say the person is Potter. And Ha'itmar Allah, we learned upon that price, in other words, that we learned a further explanation regarding that price. Amr Yaakov, Amr Yachanun, Amrila, Rav Yuria, Amr Shim, Melakish, that Rav Oven, Rabbilov, Chavorta, that Rav Oven and Rabbilov, the entire group said, in other words, all these names, basically, to say in the name of Rabbi Yochanan. It's talking, those, those cases are talking about cases where it was slaughtered by way of somebody else. Somebody else slaughtered. In other words, the reason why there is going to be both the penalty of death as well as the financial responsibility is because the person who slaughtered it in other words, the person who, who did the forbidden act of slaughtering, whether it was slaughtering an animal on Shabbos, or it was the act of slaughtering the animal for Avodah Zarah, was not the same person who stole it. So therefore the financial responsibility goes to one person, but the act of actually, actually slaughtering it is, is held to another person. So Gemara says, hold on a second. And that's the reason why he's going to be chayiv there. We have a general principle that everybody knows of While there is a concept of shlichos, which means that I can appoint somebody to do something on my behalf, and his action of doing it works as if I did it myself, that's very nice when it comes to any other action. I can get married through a shliach, I can do all types of things through a shliach, but I can't do an avera through a shliach. If I appoint somebody to do an Avera for me, and the person chooses to do the Avera, I am not held responsible for that Avera. Rather, the person himself who committed the Avera is going to be responsible, which is the concept of Ein Shliach Ledvar Avera. So how could it be here that we have a concept of Toveach Ayidei Acher, that that person will go ahead and slaughter it. Nevertheless, I, or the thief, will be responsible for the payment. Amarava, Rava says, you are right that generally speaking, to any when it comes to any other avera, the halacha is a shliach avera. However, in this particular case, the pasuk indicates that a person can violate 
the tvicha umechira by way of somebody else, the slaughtering or the selling by way of somebody else, and would still be responsible financially. Ma mechira acher, just like it is impossible for a person to commit the sale of an animal without another person. So the tevicha, the slaughtering, also can be can happen by way of somebody else. In other words, the halach is: if I steal something, I have to pay back. If I steal it, in a concept which would be gneva, I have to pay double. If I steal it and then I go ahead and further slaughter it, or I sell it, so in other words, I indulge in the theft, I have to pay either four or five times that value. Just like when I sell it. It's impossible for me to commit an act of sale on my own. I need to have a buyer in order for me to fulfill the sale. So therefore, once we include another person in Mechira, we're automatically going to include another person in the Tevicha, in the slaughtering as well. So basically we have a Pasuk which teaches us that Yesh, Shliach, the Dvaravera, when it comes to Tevicha, U Mechira. Debera Bishmaltana, O Larabos Esa Shliach. It's not just the logic behind it, but otuvacho omecharo, the additional word o, adds that a shliach can hold a person responsible for financial payments when it comes to, to selling or slaughtering an animal that was, that was stolen. It says arba tachas hashar, or tachas haseh, which is an unnecessary word, so the word tachas includes a shliach, another person who is involved in the slaughtering. So ultimately, the idea of ein shliach Dvaravera, which basically, just to explain the way that, that most Rishonim understand the idea of ein shliach Dvaravera is, when I appoint someone to do something for me, there's a chazaka. The chazaka is, chazaka shliach osa shlichusa. That means if I ask somebody to do something, they take responsibility to do it, I basically can assume that they did what they said they were going to do. A basic rule in human behavior that if a person says they're going to do something for me, I basically have enough information there to give me the conclusion that that action will be fulfilled. However, when it comes to an Avera, that chazaka goes away. Most people have a cheskas kashras. Most people do not have a chazaka that they'll fulfill an Avera. So therefore, I cannot say chazaka shliach osa shlichuso when it includes the person violating an avera. In this particular case, the pasuk indicates that just like the mechira happens with somebody else, the tvicha, indeed, I can rely on the fact that the person will do it, and therefore the shlichus goes all the way through. Maskif la marzutra. Marzutra asks just a basic fundamental question. Okay, so we say yesh shliach avera. Fine. If I steal something and somebody else at my behest goes ahead and slaughters the animal, I am going to be responsible. Fine. However, in this particular case, there's something wrong here. Because This case is, going to, is very strange because we find that the shliach can actually accomplish something which the original person can't do on his own. Because had he slaughtered it, he would not be obligated to pay because of Kamli Vidrabimine. So here, here we have a case where if the person himself, if the thief, the Ghana himself, were to go ahead and slaughter it, he would not be Chayev. But because he asked somebody else to do it, all of a sudden now he's going to be Chayev. So how could it be that the Shliach is better? And the Gemara says this is just basically a misunderstanding. When a person does not sustain the financial responsibility because of the fact that he's, going, he's dealing with a more harsh punishment, that doesn't mean he's not chayiv. It just means there's a technicality over here where we won't impose the chayiv on the person. We're not going to impose the financial responsibility. So the Gemara says, The original thief, it's not because he himself is not obligated to pay for it, it's just a simple technicality that since he has a more harsh punishment coming his way, so he doesn't have to pay. But of course, the financial responsibility is there. If you look at the bottom of Tosfus, but the bottom of Tosfus points out that 
there is a possibility that a person would have a chiyav lotzis yedei shemayim. Here it's afgav dahacha filu lotzis yedei shemayim einu chayav dedafka b'mamon hudamar avaknas lo machayav. So basically, Tosos is pointing out over here that in this case there isn't even like, in other words, a person is being put to death or a person is getting a harsh punishment because of something they did wrong, and then the basin informs them that by the way, you should just know that your action also comes along with a financial obligation. The person could technically say, you know what? If there is a financial obligation over here, I want to pay it. I don't want to have money that, I'm exe- that I really owe, but I'm exempt from. So if it would be a real monetary fine, or not, I shouldn't say fine, a real monetary chiyuv, then there is a concept that he should go ahead and pay it. When it comes to an imposed penalty, a knas, which is not regular monetary obligation, Says Tosus, there isn't even a chiyuv of bidei shemayim. Gemara goes on. Ibn If it's true that we're talking about a case where a person had the animal slaughtered by way of somebody else, might tamayu Why is it that the rabbanon who disagree with Rabmeir depatri who say that there is no chiyuv? Why not? Someone else went ahead and slaughtered it. There's no kamal bedravimine when two people are involved. Gemara says, "Man chachamim, who are the chachamim?" In other words, chachamim is generally used to describe the other opinion. But there's somebody who said it. There's an author of the opinion of the chachamim. Gemara says the chachamim in this case is authored by Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Shimon he to Amar at the top of the Aflamadalid Amar Aleph to Amar shchita sheina ruuya lo shchita. A shechita, which does not actually accomplish its purpose of making the animal kosher meat to be eaten, lo shema shechita, is not considered a shechita with regard to the obligation of paying four or five times the value of that animal. So the Gemara says, okay, let's analyze this. Ha-tenach avodas kochavim v'shar haniskol. That all makes sense when it comes to avodas kochavim and shar haniskol. Why? Because if a person slaughters an animal and has in mind that he's serving a vodazara, so he, he's not allowed to eat the meat. The same thing is true by shara niskol. A shara niskol is an animal which has to be put to death. A person can't eat it. It's asr ba'ana. El shchita, shchita when it comes to slaughtering an animal on Shabbos, shchita ru'uyihi, it is indeed a good shchita. Why? Detnan, for we learned in the Mishnah, shochit b'shabbos of Yom Kippurim. A person goes ahead and slaughters an animal. He shechts an animal on Shabbos or on Yom Kippur. The halacha is, The Mishnah in Chulin teaches us, even though he's chayav misa for violating Shabbos or Yom Kippur, the animal is actually kosher. It's allowed to be eaten. So Gemara says, you know what? You're right. If we were following that Mishnah, we'd have a problem. However, in this case, he paskins like Rabbi Yochanan Asandler. Who's Rabbi Yochanan Asandler? The Tanya, for we learned in the Brisa. A person cooks on Shabbos. So now it's important to point out there's a fascinating sugya with regard to Hilcha Shabbos called Maisa Shabbos, where we learn the halachas of the product of Chilol Shabbos. And these halachas are dealt with at the beginning of Simon Shin Yud Ches which is the simon which is famously known for all the halachas of Bishel. The first sif, sif aleph, in simon chin yud ches, describes the halachas of somebody who violates Shabbos, and there's a product that comes out of that chilol Shabbos, whether or not a person can benefit from it. Now the Ramah adds in, hamavashel osha'asa shar malachos. In other words, the Ramah says, it's not limited to cooking. Well, this is indeed subject of a dispute amongst the Rishonim, whether it is specifically Bishel, because Bishel is unique. You take an item which is really unedible, and then you make it edible and it really transforms the item. Lamaisa, according to the Ashkenazim, according to the Ramah, this halacha is true for all Malachas Shabbos, any violation of Shabbos. Says the Brisa. Bishogeg, if a person does it unintentionally, the halacha is Yochal. He's allowed to eat it. Now, if you look at Rashi, Rashi adds in some crucial information over here. You're allowed to even benefit from it 
even on Shabbos. If a person cooked on Shabbos or did another malacha on Shabbos, intentionally, he cannot eat it. What does that mean? Let's look at Rashi, the first skinny line in Rashi. Who? The violator of Shabbos cannot eat it. When? Li'ola. Forever. It is always forbidden for this person to eat it. Other Jews are allowed to eat it. Tibi Rabbi Meir. That's the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yehuda Omer. Yehuda notches it up one level. Bishogeg. When a person violates Shabbos and cooks something. Bishogeg. Unintentionally by mistake. What does that mean? That means he woke up, he forgot that it was Shabbos. Or he woke up and he knew it was Shabbos, but he had forgotten that it was forbidden to cook on Shabbos. The halach is, Yochab l'moitzai Shabbos. He's allowed to eat it on moitzai Shabbos. Again, look at Rashi. Yochal hu l'moitzai Shabbos. He must wait till after Shabbos, Shabbos. Velo bo bayom. He's not allowed to eat it during that day. Why? Says Rashi, Dekansinon shogeg atu mezid. We, we penalize him and we say, even though it was by mistake, we treat it like he mazed. The mazed, if it was actually done on purpose, lo yochal he's not allowed to eat it forever. Again, look at Rashi, means lo yochal, who, olamis, he is not allowed to eat it forever, but other Jews are allowed to eat it. In other words, the, the item is still kosher, but he himself has a penalty that he's not allowed to benefit or eat, eat it forever. Yochanan Sandler, Omer, Yochanan Sandler takes this even one level higher. He notches it up even more. If a person unintentionally cooks on Shabbos, then Yochal, or I should say, it can be eaten by other people when after Shabbos. He is never allowed to eat the food that he cooked on Shabbos. If a person intentionally cooks on Shabbos, lo yochal olamis, the one, the chef, the one who cooked it, is never allowed to eat it, but not only him, lo lo, the lo If a person intentionally cooks on Shabbos, the halacha is, a person cannot, no one, no Jew, is allowed to ever eat that dish that was cooked. So now, the Gemara asked the question of Rabbi Shimon, and said, when it comes to shkita on Shabbos, tevachal on Shabbos, how could you call that a shkita she'ena ruya? You're allowed to eat it. The Gemara answered, the Rebbe is going according to the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan Sandler. Rabbi Yochanan Sandler says, if a person does a malach on Shabbos, in this case it would be tevachal, he slaughters an animal, he does it intentionally, the halacha is, that animal becomes forbidden forever for every single Jew. Gemara says, my time with Rabbi Yochanan Sandler. What is the reason for this? Why does Rabbi Yochanan Sandler tell us that a person is not allowed to ever benefit from a lach that was done intentionally on Shabbos? Gemara says, as Rabbi Darshin at the opening of the of the Nesia, which and he quotes the pasuk Ushmartem as a Shabbos kikodesh hilachem. Person should guard Shabbos. Why? Because Shabbos is kodesh. There is kedusha. There's sanctity to Shabbos. Makodesh, just like Kadshim, just like other sanctified items. Asr be'achila is not permissible to be eaten by a regular Jew. Af ma'isa Shabbos, asurum be'achila ma'isa Shabbos is like Kadshim, because the Pasuk refers to it as Kodesh. And just like Kadshim, just like Karbanos, can't be eaten by a typical Jew. So the halach is, items which were created on Shabbos in violation of Shabbos, are going to be Asr Bachila. Gemara says, Ima Kodesh Asr Bahana, Af Ma'isa Shabbos Asr Bahana. If you're going to compare it all the way to Kachim, then it should also be Asr Bahana, not just forbidden to be eaten, but it should be Asr to benefit from it as well. Tamalomer Lachem, the Pasuk teaches you, Kodesh Hi Lachem, Lachem Shalachem Yehei. It belongs to you. So even though it's not allowed to be eaten because it's like it's Kachim, Nevertheless, lachem, it belongs to you, and therefore it's not going to be asr bahana. It will not be forbidden to benefit from this. If that's the case, then I would think even b'shogeg, 
Why does Rabbi Yochanan Sandra limit this to a case where a person violated Shabbos intentionally? Taman Lomar, the Pasuk teaches you, Mechaleleha Mos Yumas. A violator of Shabbos should be put to death. Just like the death penalty is only imposed when a person violates Shabbos after being warned intentionally, so too the, the prohibition of eating foods or any other item that was created on Shabbos is only relevant when a person does it, but may it intentionally, but not if it was done b'shogig. Now the Gemara continues. Pligibar of Achav Ravina. Ravachem Ravina got into a machlokis. Chad Omar, Maisa Shabbos Doraisa. One of them said, this halach of Rabbi Yochanan Sandler is really midoraisa. It's a biblical, it's a biblical prohibition. Chad Omar Drabanan, the other one said, that the halacha of Rabbi Yochanan Sandler, which says that the food can never be eaten, is Asr Midrabanan. Manda Amar Doraisa Kedamaran. The one who says it's Doraisa, well, we already know what his pasuk is, which is Kikodashi Lacham. However, the one who says it's Drabanan, Manda Amar Drabanan, Amar Krakodesh, he. Shabbos is Kodesh. Kodesh he, referring to Shabbos. He Kodesh, ve Kodesh. So interestingly enough, he uses the exact same Pasuk to tell us that the source which told us, which the other opinion said that it was Midoraisa, actually is the exclusion. Kodesh he, Shabbos is Kodesh, but not things that were created on Shabbos. Now the Gemara goes on. According to the opinion that says the prohibition to benefit from foods that were cooked on Shabbos or any other malacha that, that created an item on Shabbos is Drabanon, my time out Drabanon to Patri. What is the reason for the Rabbanon who say that if someone goes ahead and slaughters an animal on Shabbos, they are potter? Ultimately, it's a shkita haruuya. It's a fine shkita. So why are they pater? The Gemara says, "Kika pati rabbanon ashara." But when the rabbanon said you're pater, they were referring to the other cases. They were referring to cases of shara niskal and avodazara, but not Shabbos. The Gemara goes ahead and says, "All right, so tovech avodas kachavim." There was the case of a, of a person who slaughters an animal for Avodah Zarah. Gemara analyzes this very carefully. Kivan deshachat ba'porta itzarla. Idach ki katavach lav demari katavach. The Gemara basically takes a few, a few halachas as a, as, a, a, as a given. Takes some halachas for granted. Which is that we know that for an animal to be kosher, when we learn Meseches Chulen, we learned you have to cut the two simanim, the kana and the veshet, the windpipe and the food pipe. However, when it comes to avodazara, you don't need to slaughter the animal to the point where it's going to be kosher to be eaten. Even a slight little cut in the neck, if it's done for the sake of avodazara, already turns the animal into avodazara. So the Gemara says, technically, we have a problem over here. You can't have a case of violating both, let's read this inside. As soon as he made even, made even a slight cut for Avodazara, now the animal becomes Aser. It's Avodazara. So now Idach, when he goes through with the rest of the Shita, when he goes through the Karna and the Veshet, when he is shechting it, he's no longer shechting an animal which belonged to the original owner, which would be of him, which would obligate him to pay the additional penalty of four and five. Why? Because the second he already introduced Avodazara into this animal, it leaves the ownership of the original Bailim, the original owner, because it transfers to Avodazara. So therefore, it's impossible, says the Gemara, for a person to have a chiv of dal vehei of four and five times, because in order for that to happen, you need to shech, you need to slaughter an animal which belongs to the original owner. But once you violate the Yisar of Avodah with this animal, the animal is immediately pulled out of the ownership of the owner and made into Avodah So when he finishes the Shechita, 
he is not shechting an animal which belongs to the owner, he is shechting an animal which is avodazara. Amarava, Omer, Bigmar, Zvicha, who ovda. The Gemara says it must be talking about a case where he, he very clearly stipulated that the avodazara action that he is committing is only at the end of the shechita. Okay, the Gemara says, Shara Niskal, also we have the same problem. Lavdi Dehu, the Katavach. A Shara Niskal is an animal which doesn't belong to anybody because once based in, issues the psak that this animal, need, animal needs to be put to death because it killed a human being, it belongs to nobody. Nobody's allowed to benefit from the animal. So therefore, how could it be that when someone shechts a Shara Niskal, there would be any chiyav of Dalad Vehei? Again, the chiyav of Dalad Vehei, four or five times its value, is only relevant when I shecht an animal that belongs to somebody. If I shecht an animal that belongs to nobody, there is no chiyav of four or five times its value. A Sharonisko belongs to nobody because it has no value. Amaraba, Hacha Skinan, here we must be referring to a case of Kegon Shemasru Shomer, where the animal was given over to a Shomer. The Hizik Bevesa Shomer. While the guardian was watching this animal, it went out and killed the human being. The Nigmara Dine Bevesa Shomer, the Bastin went ahead and issued the halachic ruling that the animal needs to be put to death while it was still under the guardianship of this shomer, this guardian. Now, the gonvu god of mebe shomer. A lot of action happened over here. The person deposits his animal, his shar, his ox, with somebody who's going to guard it. Now, he left town, and while he was gone, mayhem hit. Number one, the animal went out and killed somebody. Basin got a hold of this case. They issued a psak that this animal needs to be put to death. Now, after that happened, thieves come along and say, oh wow, this is a nice strong bull. Let's go steal it. Now, the, unfortunately, they, they, they chose an animal which had no value to it. So now, the halacha, and then they went further and they wanted to go ahead and slaughter it. So now, Rabbi Meir, Savalak Rabbi Yaakov, Vis Savalak Rabbi Shimon. Rabbi Meir holds of two opinions, which we'll get to in just a second. Savalak Rabbi Yaakov, Damar Afbish Nigmar Dino, Chzir He holds like Rabbi Yaakov that says that even after it had its final ruling, Chzir Shomer Labailov Muxar, the Shomer can return it to the original owner. The Savalak Rabbi Shimon, Damar Gadavar Agorum Lamamon, Kimamon Dami. He holds like Rabbi Shimon who holds something which causes money is like money. Let's explain this. Shimon takes responsibility to guard Reuven's animal. Okay? Now, Shimon didn't do a very good job watching the animal. While he was watching it, it went out and killed somebody. So the ultimate dereliction of duty. He was supposed to be watching this animal. He, he does not do a good job and the animal goes out and kills somebody. Now the animal needs to be put to death. Now, Basin gets a hold of the animal and says, we're going to put this animal to death. It's on death row. Now, they set a date for the, for the actual killing of the animal. And in the interim, the owner comes back. Ruvain comes back and says, Shimon, remember that, that animal that I gave you to watch? He says, yes, it's right here. Take it home. Okay, now, is that considered a, a, a good returning of the animal? I gave you an animal which is worth thousands of dollars to watch. When you're returning the animal to me, the animal has almost, has not almost, has zero value. It's going to be put to death. There's nothing you can do with the animal. Is the fact that I'm actually returning the physical animal enough, even though the animal holds no value? Says Reb Yaakov, Af Mishanigmuradino, Echzero, Shomer, Lebaalov, Muxer. Even after the final psak is issued, that this animal needs to be put to death, if you return the animal to its owner, you have discharged your duty and you have returned the animal. If you look at Rashi, it's five lines before it starts to get wide. The Amarle, Tura Ashalamtali, Tura Ashalimaslach. You gave me an, an animal, you gave me an ox, and I gave you back an ox. 
We're not talking about the value of the ox. We're not talking about the appreciation or the depreciation of its value. Here's the animal. You gave him the animal to watch. I'm returning the animal to you. Now, it happens to be the animal has zero value, but still says Rabbi Yaakov, you have discharged your duty. What's the next din? The next din is Davar Garum Lamaman Kamaman Dami. Davar Garum Lamaman means that this thing actually does not hold monetary value, but it has the ability to cause monetary value. The classic case of this is if a person promises to give a carbon, if so he, he walks over to his animal and says, Harezu Ola. This animal should be an Ola. Now, if that animal is alive at the time that he wants to bring it for an Ola, he goes ahead and brings an animal. If the animal dies, now he's going to have to reimburse. It shouldn't say Harezu. Hare Alai Ola. He's going to have to take money to go buy another carpet. He's going to have to go ahead and buy another carpet. So that animal is considered Davar Gorom Namamon. Because it will cause him a monetary, a financial responsibility. Bringing the animal as a carbon is gorem that he does not have to pay money. Not bringing the animal as a carbon is gorem that he does have to pay money. In this case as well, returning the animal to the owner is gorem that I don't have to pay you money. Not returning the animal to the owner is gorem that I do have to pay you money. So... Getting back to our case over here, the Sharan Niskal has no value. Right? That was, that was the Gemara's question. He's not shechting anything that belongs to him. Gemara says, yes, it is. Because this is a case where he's a Shomer. Now, the Shomer would be able to return this animal and discharge his duty to the original owner. Shimon could return this worthless animal to its owner and then not have to pay the owner for the value of the animal. So when the ganav, when the thief comes and steals it and then slaughters it, he is now taking something away from a shomer which would otherwise absolve him of his monetary obligation. So this is really the only value that a sharaniskal has is when it is in the possession of a guardian. The owner has nothing he could do with it. Nobody could buy it. No one else can eat it. But a shomer, because of the fact that he has the responsibility to return it intact, if he returns it intact, even though it doesn't have any value, he indeed is going to discharge his duty and absolve himself from the chiyah. And therefore, if the thieves steal it from the shomer, then indeed there would be a chiyah of Dalad because it has value to one person, to that Shomer. Rabba Amar, Rabba is going back to the original question we asked before, Andaf, Lamad Gimel, Lamad Beis, and he says, really this is talking about where, no, he didn't have an outside person slaughtering it for him. Rather, he himself slaughtered it. It's talking about a case where he slaughtered it himself. However, a mayor the mayors of the opinion that yes, a person will be liable for both lashes, for malchus and money. However, but if a person is going to be put to death, then there is no chiv of monetary penalties as well. Vishani, Hani, these cases are different. Why? When it comes to knas, when it comes to penalties, even though he's going to be put to death, in other words, the Gemara is differentiating between a monetary chiv, which is considered mamon. Mamon is when I take something from you, and therefore I cause you a financial loss, so I must reimburse you for your loss. However, knas is a penalty beyond the loss that you had. So if I steal your animal and it's worth $1,000, then the principle of $1,000 is mamon. Anything beyond that, any financial penalties beyond that is a knas. And knas, even though when it comes to misa, when someone's put to death, they don't have to pay the principle, the monetary principle, knas, additional penalties that are imposed will be 
will still be imposed, even though Afagav de Mikdal, even though he's being put to death, Meshali. Vaz the Rabbah the is following his reasoning, the Amar Rabbah, says, Rabbah says, a person has a Gedi, a goat, Ganavlo, which he stole. Now, V'tavacho B'Shabbos. So he stole it previously. He has a stolen goat in his possession. And he says, on Shabbos, he says, you know what? Bring that goat over. Let's eat it for lunch. He slaughters it on Shabbos. Talach is Chayev. Why? Shekvar Neschayev Pigneva Kodem Shiyavoli De Yisra Shabbos. He's going to be Chayev for the Gneva. Why? Because they're independent. The theft happened before Shabbos. And the slaughtering, the shechting happened on Shabbos. So therefore, he's Chayev for both. Shekvar Neschayev Pigneva Kodem Shiyavoli De Yisra Shabbos. The Gneva took place. The theft took place before his violation of Shabbos took place. Ganav the Tovach b'Shabbos. If he did it all on Shabbos, he stole it on Shabbos and he slaughtered it on Shabbos. Potter. Why? Shem ein Geneva. If there's no Geneva, ein Tevicha ve'ein Mechira. If there's no Chiv of Geneva, why? Because that's absolved by virtue of the fact that he's going to be put to death for his violation of Shabbos. If there's ein Geneva. There's no chir, there's no prince, if there's no chir for the principle, ein vicha ve'ein mechir, there's no chir for the additional penalty as well. V'yomar Rabbah, Rabbah says, Haya gedig ganavlo, person has a goat which was stolen to him, in other words, he had stolen it previously, u'tivacha b'machteres, and he went ahead and slaughtered in the machteres, so it's machteres, tzatanol, a person is going, sneaking into someone else's house with intent to steal. It's called the Baba Machteres. The halacha is, that person's life has no value. Why? Because the halacha is, if a person discovers another human being sneaking into their house, they are allowed to kill that person. Why? Because the assumption is that if a person is coming, sneaking into someone else's house, then they will indeed protect their life instead of being caught. So therefore, the person has a din of a rodef, and the owner of the property is allowed to kill him. It's considered aim lo damim. His life at that point in time does not really have any value of life. So therefore, if a person slaughters Machteris, he really doesn't have his, his life at that point in time while he's in the Machteris is considered a life which is dispensable. It's hard to say this about somebody, but he puts himself, a person puts himself in that situation he is putting himself into a situation where he could be killed. He is chayiv, why? Since he stole it before he went into the tunnel, he's chayiv before he gets into the tunnel. However, if he stole it and slaughtered it in the, in the tunnel, Potter, why? In Geneva, there's no chayiv for the Geneva, why? Because he's chayiv benafsho. There's no here for the Geneva, there's no here for the penalty either. So the Gemara goes on and says, so here again, clearly we see that when it comes to, if the, if the knas is relevant on its own, then it would be there. If the knas is not relevant because the initial principle is not going to be charged because of Kamle Bidrav that's the only time that the knas goes away. Vitzricha, we need both cases. In other words, we need the case of slaughtering on Shabbos and the case of slaughtering in the Machteris. Diash bin Shabbos, if you would tell me only the case of Shabbos, I would say Mishim de Isura Isur Olam. Shabbos is a permanent Isur, which means, as Rashi says, as long as Adam come and testify that the person violated Shabbos B'mezid, the person could still be punished for it. Ava Machteris de Isur Shahu Eimalo. The person is only chayiv misa while they are in the machteres. In other words, a person, if two agents come and say, we would noticed that we can testify that that person snuck into a tunnel, into someone else's house, but now the person's out, the person's not chayiv misa. It's only while they're actually in that tunnel, that's when we view them as a threat to life because they are coming in and we view them as a threat to the homeowner. However, once they leave, they're no longer a threat so therefore, I think that that case is different. If I only told you the case of Machteris, there's no Asra. You don't need to go warn the person when he's in the tunnel. Oh, by the way, 
you should know, if you're coming into my tunnel and you're threatening to kill me, I have a, a, the ability, the halachic ability to kill you. Person's in the tunnel, breaking into the house, you don't waste any time to kill the person right then and there because you know the person is coming out, that he's coming to kill you. And again, this is, these are very fascinating sugyas to learn. We're not going through this right now. But again, the halacha is, if it's a person that we know is not coming to kill somebody, like it's a relative, a father, of course in that case, a person is not allowed to kill them. But again, the general assumption is that the person is coming for nefashos. Our Shabbos, the boy hasra, a person cannot be put to death for violation of Shabbos. Unless there's a hasra, a malah, say it's different. So therefore, tzricha, we need to have both cases. Okay, Amar of Papa. Hosa para genuvalo, person has a stolen ox or cow in their possession, utuvacha beshabbos. And he slaughtered it on Shabbos. Chayiv. He is chayiv. Why? Shekvarnas chayiv be geneva kodem shiovalo de isra Shabbos. The chayiv of geneva happened prior to his violation of Shabbos. Hosa para shulalo, if he borrowed the, the, the cow. Utavacha b'Shabbos, and he slaughtered on Shabbos. Pater, he's Pater. So the Gemara says, Amar layer of Acha breder Rava Ravashi. Ravacha breder Rava, the son of Rava said to Ravashi, Papa para aslash minan. Why is he telling us a second case? Just wanted to tell us the halacha is the same when it comes to a cow. He spoke about the case of a, of a gadi, so he had to re, 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 reiterate the case and repeat the case just because it's a cow. What's the difference? Mar says, He's coming to teach us the halach of Sha'ula, which is I would have thought, since he is chayiv from the second, that he actually pulls the animal. In other words, just like when a person rents a car, he needs to pay for the gas. In other words, he can't go back. In other words, if a person borrows a car, he has to pay for the gas. So the same thing is true. A person takes, borrows uh, an animal, he has to pay to feed the animal. So since at the time that he actually took it, he he pulled the animal, he has some monetary chiyuv, is a monetary ownership over this that he has the obligation to feed it. So I would have thought that he's chayr for the own sin that happened to the animal right away from the time that he takes it. Kamash that that's not the case, that, that, that indeed there would be a separate chiyah for later. Amarava. A person borrows a cow and then he dies and he leaves over that cow to his children. They're allowed to use that cow as long during the duration of that loan. Mesa, if the animal dies, the children are not chayiv for unpreventable circumstances. In other words, they have the ability to use it because their father borrowed it, but they were not the borrowers of it, and therefore they don't have the obligation to pay if the animal is damaged. Now, the next case, Kesavurin Shalavianhi, they thought the animal belongs to their father, Utubachua and they went ahead and slaughtered it and ate it. Mishalman de Bazul. They have to pay back the cheapest price of meat. Even if this is high quality meat, they pay, pay back the cheapest price of meat. And Rashi points out they have to return the hides to the owner. Because again, they didn't know that when they were slaughtering it, they were slaughtering an animal that didn't belong to them. The, the Mishnah continues, If their father left behind real property, real estate, In that case, they do have to pay. There are those who learn that halacha on the reisha, and there are those who learn on the safe. In other words, there are those who say, the original halacha, which is that if a father left over a borrowed cow in his possession, the children are allowed to use it, but they're not chayav and onsin. Some understand that this last halacha over here, which is that if the father owns real property, then they will be chayav and onsin. 
Why? What's the reason for that? Because the father's property ultimately backs up any loan that he takes. So therefore, if they have the property of the father, that property was already connected to this loan before they got it. And the Ikka, the Masking Law, Seifa say that it's referring to the second case, which is that if they went ahead and slaughtered the cow and ate it, the father owns real property, then they would have to pay back the real value of that animal. Why? Because the property was backing up that loan. So, those who learned on the ratio, which is the first case where they simply used it and an onus happened, so certainly that real property will back up the seifa as well. There's no reason why there should be a difference. And that is ultimately arguing with Rapapa. What does Rapapa say? Rapapa says that the, the property ultimately backs up the loan from the time of the onus, the time that the actual animal was damaged, not at the time that you borrowed it. So if this case where the real property is backing up the loan is both the Reisha and the Seifa, it's clearly disagreeing with Rapapa. And the one who said it's only relevant to the Seifa, it's not going on the Reisha. In other words, only when they went ahead and slaughtered it, in that case does the property back it up, and they have to pay back the real value. But not on the ratio of Heinander Papa, that indeed is the opinion of Rapapa, Rapap, that only at the time of the actual loss, when the animal is damaged, does the property kick in, and that is actually the, the Chiev of Rapapa, but the first case, they will not be Chayev, because of the fact that the property, while it was there, it was not it, was, it does not go into effect at the, at the time of the loan. We'll stop here. We'll continue tomorrow with the sugya of Chayvi Malkis Shogin, Chayvi Misa Shogin. I'm just going to quickly throw out a very quick pitch. Tonight, Emir Tashem, we are starting a brand new series on learning how to learn Gemara. We spend a lot of time learning Gemara here, which is beautiful. We go through it very quickly, but Emir Tashem, tonight, we're going to spend time on the actual technique and the methodology of what it of what it takes to actually understand what's going on within the language of Gemara, to understand what to expect when you open a Gemara, and how to open a new Gemara and learn it on your own. It's going to be a work in progress. It's going to be very exciting. I look forward to seeing as many of you as we can. Have a wonderful day. 8.30. 8.30 tonight, yes.